All right. So tonight uh, we'll be getting into uh, day three of creation. And we'll also be looking briefly uh, at uh, an ancient myth called Enuma Elish. Uh, and we'll compare it to the, uh, the Genesis account just to see how, uh, how different they are. And so uh, day three, like all of the other days, is uh, dependent on day one. And uh, there we saw God bring everything into existence uh, whatsoever out of nothing. And he also uh, began to uh, remove the barrenness, darkness, emptiness, uh, and the, the, the wateriness of the, the original uh, state of the earth. Uh, and then, uh, beginning with the creation of light, uh, that established the, the cycles of uh, day and night and uh, of evening and morning and uh, provides brightness and warmth to the, uh, the dark creation. Uh, and then with day two, uh, we saw that God separated the, the waters of the deep uh, so that there are the waters uh, above uh, the earth and the waters below or the, the waters above the expanse and uh, below the, the expanse and uh, that created the, the heavens above. Uh, and then on day three, uh, we'll see that he will uh, call the waters to gather together into seas uh, and for the, the dry land to uh, appear. Uh, and finally, he'll finish with uh, bringing a vegetation to his creation. Uh, and uh, this is really the, the almost the, the final step for uh, removing the barrenness from the creation. By the time we get to the end, uh, you could no longer call it a barren. Uh, and now all of these environments that he's made, uh, the day and the night, the, the heavens, the earth and the, the seas are, are ready to be inhabited, uh, which we'll see on days four through uh, six. And then uh, days three and six are uh, somewhat unique. Uh, because they each uh, have uh, two commands uh, followed by actions uh, and two reports and two evaluations uh, because each of them uh, kind of finish their own unique section, uh, days one through three on the one hand and then days four through six on the other. So removing the barrenness and then uh, filling it with his creatures. Uh, but we'll also see differences, which we'll look at more on day six. Uh, but just for example, on day six, uh, God speaks uh, four times uh, with two commands. Uh, one time he blesses and uh, the, the final time he uh, gives the, the, the vegetation to all of the, the creatures to eat. And then day six finally culminates in the last report and the last evaluation which caps off not just day six, but really all of the days of the, uh, while he's working uh, and uh, creating uh, the creation, bringing it to completion. And so then uh, with day three, uh, here are some of the, the components that we'll see. Uh, and like I said, we can divide it into two parts and the two parts have the same components, except the first part has naming. So uh, we have a, a command for the wa waters to be gathered uh, and for the dry land to appear, followed by a report, it was so, uh, in action, 
which we discussed uh, last week uh, with uh, textual criticism, uh, followed by uh, naming the dry land earth and the water seas, and an evaluation uh, that God saw that it was good. Uh, and then most of these repeat uh, in the, the second part, uh, a command for the earth to sprout vegetation, uh, a report, an action, an evaluation, and that ends the, the third day. And so now I'd like to read through uh, days one through three together, uh, and then I'll introduce uh, Enuma Elish, and we'll, we'll compare them, especially days uh, two and three. So beginning with verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Uh, now, here's where we, we find the action. I'll, I'll read it from my notes. Uh, and the waters under the heavens were gathered to their gathering places, and the dry land appeared. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, uh, according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. All right, and now with uh, Enuma Elish, uh, or sometimes called, uh, I think, the, the Babylonian creation account. Uh, originally, this uh, was probably created around the 12th century BC, so somewhat after the, the time of Moses, uh, but it also came from myths that, that came even earlier before. Uh, and just for some of the, the background information, uh, there's a scholar named uh, P.A. Uh, Bulu, uh, and he, he writes about just the, the context of where this came about. Uh, and really it's about the, the god that they called uh, Marduk. Uh, and he talks about how there was a, a shift in their 
uh, theology for the people that lived around that time uh, from the god Enlil and his son Ninurta uh, to Marduk and his son uh, Nabu. Uh, and he, he says this, the reign of Nebuchadnezzar the first. Now, this is a different Nebuchadnezzar than the, the one that we know uh, from the Bible uh, because this is the old Babylonian Empire. The new Babylonian Empire came in the, around uh, six, 605 uh, when they started dealing with uh, Israel and the, the captivity came uh, in the 6th century BC, so the 500s. But this is the old Babylonian Empire who uh, the later Nebuchadnezzar is named after. The shift from uh, Enlil uh, Ninurta to a Marduk theology is clear. Uh, the reign of Nebuchadnezzar I uh, reigned uh, from 1125 to 1104 uh, BC uh, was a major turning point in this process. On the occasion of a victorious military campaign to the neighboring kingdom uh, of Elam, he triumphantly brought back to Babylon the statue of Marduk uh, that the Elamites had previously carried off to their capital, Susa. On this occasion, he sponsored the, the redaction of compositions exalting the god Marduk. Uh, a redaction is kind of a, an, an update, a, a literary update to a, a previous writing. Uh, the redaction of compositions exalting the god Marduk, uh, who is attributed for the first time uh, the epithet king of the gods. It is also generally believed that Enuma Elish, the Babylonian creation epic, was composed during his reign. Uh, the epic is truly a foundational document of Babylonian identity. It tells how Marduk was selected by the ancestral gods to battle Tiamat, the personification of the primeval chaos, uh, the, the waters, the watery uh, abyss chaos. Uh, after his victory, he creates cosmic order out of her dismembered body and selects Babylon as cosmological center and axis of the world. So basically the, the center of the, the universe. Uh, the gods elevate Marduk to the status of king over them, and the epic ends with a long hymn of glorification celebrating his universal power and his 50 names. One of the main theological points of the epic is that Marduk usurps the position of Enlil as king of the gods and that uh, of his son Ninurta as conqueror of the primeval chaos. Uh, and eventually Marduk actually also uh, basically took on the name Enlil. So he, he could use that name, but at the time he was a distinct god. Uh, and then... Uh, Benjamin R. Foster, in the, the context of scripture, says uh, just briefly, uh, the so-called epic of creation uh, preserves a relatively late Babylonian conception of the creation of the physical world, including humanity. But its real focus is on the elevation of Marduk to the top of the pantheon in return for taking up the cause of the embattled gods who build his great temple of Esagila in Babylon in recognition of his leadership. The composition could therefore be, be as readily called the exaltation of Marduk. And so the creation account is almost 
uh, sort of secondary in this myth. It has even more to do uh, with the, the exaltation of, of Marduk. Now I'll, I'll read two parts of it, just a very short snippet from the, the start of it, uh, and then the, uh, the, the meat of it on tablet four. And the, they organized them in tablets, and so a tablet was kind of like a chapter, a short chapter like, like in the Bible. Uh, and so uh, Apsu and Tiamat uh, are kind of like a, a husband and wife. Uh, Tiamat's the, uh, the, the wife, the, the female, and together they form the, the primordial uh, seas. So the, the seas in the beginning uh, of everything. And they are the, the great, great, great grandparents of uh, Marduk. Uh, and then uh, it goes on to talk about all of the, the children uh, that they bore. So they had baby gods and uh, the baby gods got, got big and strong and uh, each, uh, each uh, god that they produced afterwards uh, actually became s sort of stronger than the, the previous one. Uh, and so uh, the, that's the beginning of it. And then what will happen uh, is that, actually I'll just read uh, the, the start of it first and, and then I'll, I'll introduce the second part. All right, starting in line one. Uh, when on high, no name was given to heaven, nor below was the netherworld called by name. Primeval Apsu was their progenitor, and Matrix Tiamat was she who bore them all. They were mingling their waters together. No cane break was intertwined, nor thicket matted close. Uh, when no gods at all had been brought forth, none called by names, none destinies ordained, then were the gods formed within these two. And so then it goes on to talk about all the gods that were born from them and kind of their, uh, their genealogy. Uh, and then uh, what happens is uh, the, the younger gods start making uh, such a commotion uh, that it, it upsets uh, Apsu, uh, their, uh, their father, I guess you could almost call it a god, father, <laughs> kind of, uh, but upsets uh, Apsu and his advisor, Mu, uh, and they uh, decide uh, that they want to uh, kill and destroy the other gods because they're, they're making too much noise uh, and it's making it hard for them to, to rest and sleep. Uh, and so uh, really it's, it's a form of uh, uh, infanticide. Uh, they, they go to, to kill their, uh, their young uh, but uh, Ea, the, the father of uh, Marduk, uh, ends up killing Apsu, uh, the, the husband of Tiamat, uh, and bound his, his advisor, uh, Mumu. Uh, but then, uh, over time, uh, Marduk and his, father, his grandfather, Anu, uh, upset Tiamat again. At first, Tiamat uh, didn't react uh, to these things and all the disturbances, uh, but... Uh, Anu gave uh, the, the four winds to Marduk to play with. Uh, and by this, he started disturbing uh, the gods. Uh, and so all the gods complained to their, uh, their mother, uh, Tiamat. Uh, and so then they plotted and prepared uh, to kill um, Marduk and all of the, the gods. Uh, and then it's here that uh, Marduk makes an agreement with uh, the, the gods that they're going to be under attack. Uh, 
that if they will make him king and exalt him, uh, then uh, he will, uh, will defeat Tiamat for them because none of them could take her and her army and monsters and uh, weapons. So then in, in line, uh, tablet four, uh, beginning in line 60, I'll just uh, read uh, some of this for you. Uh, and some of that, there, there's part that's little gruesome, but if you remember, she's the, uh, the, the primordial waters. And so I don't really know how primordial waters have a skull, but she's personified. So I guess she has a, a skull. Toward raging Tiamat, he set his face. That's Marduk. He was holding a spell ready upon his lips, a plant, antidote to venom, he was grasping in his hand. At that moment, the gods were stirring, stirring about him. The gods, his fathers, were stirring about him. The gods stirring about him. Uh, the Lord drew near uh, to see the battle of Tiamat. He was looking for the stratagem of Kingu, uh, her spouse. Uh, this is who uh, she, she married uh, after Apsu died. As he looked, his tactic turned to confusion. His reason was overthrown, his actions panicky. And as for the gods, his allies, uh, who went at his side, uh, when they saw the valiant vanguard, their sight failed them. Tiamat cast her spell, point blank. Falsehood, lies, she held ready on her lips. Uh, quote, a lord, the gods rise against you. Uh, they assembled where they are, but are they on your side? Uh, the Lord raised the deluge, his great weapon to Tiamat, who acted conciliatory, sent he this word. So Marduk speaking to Tiamat. Why outwardly do you assume a friendly attitude while your heart is plotting to open attack? Children cried out, uh, they oppressed their parents, but you, their own mother, spurned all natural feeling. You named Kingu to be spouse for you, though he had no right to be. You set him up for chief god. You attempted wicked deeds against Anchar. I believe that's his grandfather, or maybe his great-grandfather, a sovereign of the gods, and you have perpetrated your evil against the gods, my fathers. Uh, though main force is drawn up, though these your weapons are in array, Come within range, let us duel, you and I. When Tiamat heard this, she was beside herself. She turned into a maniac. Tiamat shrieked loud in a passion. Her frame shook all over her, down to the ground. He was reciting the incantation, casting his spell. While the gods of battle were wetting their blades, Tiamat and Mar Marduk, sage of the gods, drew close for battle. They locked in single combat, joining for the fray. The Lord spread out his net, encircled her. Uh, the, the ill wind he had held behind him. He released in her face. Tiamat opened her mouth to swallow. He thrust in the ill wind uh, so she could not close her lips. The raging winds bloated her belly. Uh, her insides were stopped up. She gaped her mouth wide. He shot off the arrow. It broke open her belly. It cut to her innards, it pierced the heart. He subdued her and snuffed out her life. He flung down her carcass, he took his stand upon it. After the vanguard had slain Tiamat, 
He scattered her forces, he dispersed her host. As for the gods or allies who had come to her aid, uh, they trembled terrified, uh, they ran in all directions. They tried to make a way out to save their, their lives. Uh, and then it, it talks about how he uh, captures the other gods and uh, defeats uh, them as well. Uh, and then a, a little ways down, uh, it says, Having fully achieved Anshar's victory over his enemies, Valiant Marduk, having attained what uh, Nudimud uh, desired, it's another name for Ea, his uh, father, he made firm his hold over the captured gods, then turned back to Tiamat, whom he had captured. The Lord trampled upon the frame of Tiamat. With his merciless mace, he crushed her skull. He cut open the arteries of her blood. He let the north wind bear it away as glad tidings. When his father saw, they rejoiced and were glad. Uh, they brought him gifts and presents. Uh, now listen, here, here comes part of the, the creation account that some people say is uh, like days two and, and three uh, with the, the creation of earth and the heavens. Uh, he calmed down. Then the Lord was inspecting her carcass. Uh, then that he might divide the monstrous lump and fashion artful things. He split her in two like a fish for drying. Half of her he set up and made as a cover. Heaven. He stretched out the hide and assigned a watchman. Uh, and then it, it goes on to, uh, to explain uh, how he uh, organizes and uses her, her various uh, body parts and uh, bodily orifices and uh, fluids to uh, order and form uh, various elements of the, the cosmos, uh, the universe, uh, like heaven, earth, uh, rain, springs, mountains, the, the arch of heaven, and the the netherworld. Uh, but uh, here with the, the organizing of uh, heaven and earth, um, it's really kind of a ridiculous parallel. Uh, they say, well, here's the primordial seas and look, it's, it's made into to heaven. And so it's kind of like Genesis. And maybe Moses was borrowing this from something, but um, I mean, it, it's just so ridiculous that you, you have a, a dismembered uh, goddess uh, that he then creates into the, or orders into the, the universe. Uh, and on top of it, when, when you look at like uh, seas and the heavens and things like this, well, any attempt to explain how uh, the universe came to be has to have an explanation for them. So. Uh, it's it's pretty absurd to, to, to try and make a, a close connection or parallel here. Uh, and so then, I just want to think a little bit about how, how these accounts uh, differ. Uh, in Genesis 1, uh, God exists uh, independently from the creation, uh, from uh, time, space, and uh, all created things and, and matter. Uh, he does not become God. Uh, he does not lose his status as God. There's no one uh, equal uh, to him. He and, and he alone is the uncreated creator. But in Enuma Elish, the, the so-called gods are a part of nature and uh, dependent upon it. And so even Tiamat and Apsu 
uh, the primordial uh, seas, they're part of nature. Uh, they're, they're identified with it. They're, they're not distinct from it. Uh, and uh, gods are uh, born. Uh, they come into existence. Uh, gods can die. Uh, lesser gods can be promoted to uh, being the supreme god or uh, higher gods. Uh, and the gods also need to uh, eat and sleep. And uh, we'll, we'll look at uh, some more when we get to uh, the creation of man on the, the sixth day, just the contrast of the, the views of man. Uh, and as uh, Peter Williams, a, a scholar, has said, and I can only really paraphrase him, uh, w what happens when a, a god uh, looks upon a, a pretty lady and uh, they, they get together and get married? Uh, half god. You end up with a, a half god. Uh, and so uh, very different than the, the biblical uh, worldview. Uh, and so uh, in some, uh, there, there's no uh, creator, uh, creature uh, di distinction. Uh, gods and nature are uh, one and the same. They're closely mixed. Uh, and then in Genesis 1, uh, God's creation poses no uh, threat to him. Uh, God is sovereign over all things. He has no adversary, uh, no, no equal, uh, there, there are no threats. Uh, but in the Numa Elish, uh, the gods have uh, many rivals, uh, and most of them are the uh, other gods. Uh, and so Absu and Tiamat uh, plot to, uh, to, to kill their, um, their, their godchildren, basically, <laughs> that they, uh, they produced. Uh, but uh, their offspring end up uh, killing them uh, first. Uh, and so they, they, there are many, uh, many threats. And then Genesis 1, God is uh, supremely good. Uh, in Enuma Elish, uh, the gods are uh, somewhat morally gray, evil, and uh, evil at, at worst. Uh, uh, really, they're, they're evil gods. Uh, so uh, Tiamat and Apsu, uh, some of the other gods uh, become uh, murderous and enraged when the, the other gods make uh, too much racket, too much noise, uh, so they can't get their beauty sleep. Uh, and so they, they decide to, uh, to commit uh, infanticide uh, and kill their, their children. Um, and then some of the other gods commit patricide and kill their parents, although I guess uh, Tiamat uh, attacked Marduk and some of them first. Um, and then Tiamat uh, ends up committing incest, marrying one of her children. Uh, so, for example, uh, Kingu was one of her children, and she ended up marrying him after, uh, after Apsu died. Uh, then uh, Tiamat tries to de deceive Marduk and lies to him, and uh, it's even said that, that she's evil. Uh, and so the, the gods are, are evil, which is an absolute contrast with, uh, with Genesis. Uh, and then finally, uh, scripture, uh, really the, the historicity of it. Uh, in scripture, uh, it's tied uh, through and through uh, to real uh, historical uh, places, times, events, uh, cultures. Uh, it's even filled with uh, eyewitnesses and prophecies that actually came to pass. And uh, it's left a, an imprint in archaeology. Uh, all over the place, uh, and so it's grounded in uh, in history, uh, and uh, there there are 
probably some of these reasons that the, the Babylonian myths uh, have, have died, died off. And now uh, I'd like to, just after contrasting those two, uh, get into uh, day three, uh, starting with the, the first part, uh, God's uh, command and creation of the, uh, the seas and the, the dry land, the earth. Uh, and then we'll, we'll look at the, the creation of vegetation. So I'm, I'm going to read from a modified uh, version of the, the ESV. Uh, and we'll find that there's an action uh, in here. Uh, and that's where we are looking at uh, textual criticism and some of our ancient manuscripts. And so uh, if you haven't heard, you'll want to listen back on that. And that's why there's probably a difference between, uh, a minor difference probably between uh, your translation and this one. So it reads, uh, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one gathering and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And the waters under the heavens were gathered to their gathering places, and the dry land appeared. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Uh, and so here we, we see uh, the God creating the, the final habitats uh, for uh, the, the inhabitants that he's going to fill his uh, creation with. And uh, the, the final habitats are the, uh, the, the earth and the, the seas. Uh, previously, we had the, the day and the night and the, uh, the, the heavens. And uh, Kenneth Matthews uh, says, uh, the, the third day concerns the surface of the earth. Uh, the waters are gathered into seas, uh, thereby distinguishing the land masses, and the earth yields green vegetation. Then skipping down, something that we already uh, covered. Uh, this finishes uh, the three separations of days one through three, uh, which together differentiate the spheres of time and space where life exists. Uh, the consequence of the three days is the productivity of the earth that yields its vegetation. Uh, and so uh, he sees uh, distinctions between the days with uh, uh, time and space. So, uh, for example, the, the creation of the, the day and the night, which set up the, the pattern of evening and morning. There you, you have time. Although I think you also have the, the light uh, um, taking care of the, the absolute darkness. And so there, there may be some other things going on there, too. Uh, and then the, the spaces of the, the heavens. And now we turn our focus to the, the earth beneath and the, the remaining waters uh, below and uh, seeing the, uh, the, the dry land appearing. Uh, and then there's a minor uh, textual variant that we mentioned last week uh, where it, it says, uh, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one uh, gathering uh, versus one, one place. Uh, and we're not going to discuss this uh, too much. If, if you want a little information, you, you can ask me about it. Uh, but just uh, very, uh, very briefly, uh, there are two words, uh, one for place, uh, one, one for gathering. Uh, and 
uh, they're spelled the same way. Uh, they're, they're both four letters long, uh, except for their uh, last uh, letter. Uh, and those, those last letters, uh, they're not confused a lot, but as, uh, as Ronald Hendel says, uh, some, sometimes uh, they, they were confused as uh, scribes were, uh, were copying. And so it's probably just a, a, a minor accident. Uh, and then uh, we know that uh, into one gathering is probably uh, original, uh, Mikveh uh, versus Macomb place. Um, because, uh, for instance, um, as Hendel says, uh, Mikveh is actually a, a very rare word uh, in, in the Bible, uh, and Macomb is, is uh, very common. Uh, and so usually when a scribe um, confuse two words, uh, usually they, they confuse the, uh, the rare word uh, for the common word because it's, it's the common one they most likely uh, expect. And a lot of times we, we see only what we expect. Uh, and then uh, mikveh is also a, a repeated uh, thematic word on day three. We see it repeated uh, all of the, the other times. Uh, just like uh, expanse, uh, rakia on day two, and light and darkness on day one, and they're repeated consistently, and then they're they're named. Uh, light is named day, uh, darkness is named night, expanse is named heavens, uh, dry land is named earth, and uh, the gathering uh, of waters is named uh, seas. And so uh, we'd expect uh, in this case for uh, for mikveh a uh, gathering to uh, repeat uh, consistently. And the, the only difference is in one case you, you have them being gathered to a, a place, so it just specifies the location uh, with gathering. Uh, it's again, uh, it's again a, a location but a, a unified grouping gathering and so such a, such a small difference that it, it really uh, really doesn't doesn't matter a, a whole whole lot or change the meaning of the text uh, and then uh, we see the the naming and evaluation in verse 10 a uh, God called the dry land earth uh, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw uh, that it it was uh, good uh, and here are the, the last times that, that God uh, names uh, his creation uh, in uh, chapter uh, 1. I believe as Matthew says, the next time we see someone name something, uh, it'll be uh, Adam or the, the Adam, the, the man in uh, Genesis 2. Uh, and so uh, for a total of five times, uh, God uh, names things, uh, names, as we said, the, the light day and the darkness night and the expanse heavens, the dry land earth, and the gathering of waters seas. Uh, and all of these are, are very uh, thematic. Uh, these are the, the distinct habitats or domains that uh, God is uh, making for all of his creatures and for, uh, for all of the, the inhabitants and uh, removing the, the barrenness and uh, preparing it for them ultimately uh, to set a man over all the, the creatures in these uh, environments. Uh, and so this is where we'll, we'll see the, the luminaries and the, the birds and the fish and beasts and man. Uh, and we, we also see here with, uh, with the naming uh, that God 
uh, sovereignly and wisely uh, assigns everything its a place and function uh, in his his orderly, uh, purposeful, very good uh, creation. Uh, everything has its place and it's uh, determined by a God. And that's that's very different than thinking of the universe as just coming out out uh, out of existence. Uh, simply by by chance uh, from non-existence to existence and from uh, purposelessness to uh, purpose and from disorder to uh, to, to order uh, but here we see that God has uh, ordered everything uh, for uh, the purpose for which he's determined it uh, and we, we should keep that in mind as we understand the the world around us it's uh, God uh, who has the pr- prerogative to uh, tell us why he's made these things and he's made things uh, the way they are uh, for uh, our flourishing and for the good of his uh, creatures and the, the creation and uh, for his glory. Uh, and then we also see that the, the seas, uh, like everything else, were originally created good. Uh, if you remember, we talked about some uh, say that the, the seas are chaotic and maybe ominous and evil and associated with the the demonic and fallen angels. And sometimes in scripture, uh, they, they can uh, allude or connotate those things, uh, but uh, not in Genesis 1. Uh, here, uh, it's, uh, it's a habitat that God forms uh, for, the, uh, for the sea creatures uh, and it poses no threat to man. Uh, ultimately, he's going to set man over the, the fish and the, the sea creatures uh, that are in the waters and the, the waters posed absolutely no uh, threat to man or any of creation uh, whatsoever uh, but uh, after after the fall and the the curse uh, we'll see that the waters do become a, a potential a threat to man and that sometimes a uh, god can use them uh, as a source of uh, cursing or judgment uh, for example with uh, with noah and uh, when man becomes so evil and so rebellious and fills the world with violence, uh, he kills uh, every person. He judges them and wipes them out uh, with the, the waters uh, that were originally meant uh, for, for life and blessing and fruitfulness. Uh, he uses them to judge man and preserves only eight. Uh, and then those, uh, those creatures that went two by two and into the ark except for the some of the clean animals where he brought uh, seven along uh, and then uh, with the, the exodus he judges uh, Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army uh, and he uh, covers them in the waters and uh, d- wipes out his whole army uh, in, an, in an instant uh, and then also with uh, Jonah uh, when Jonah disobeys God uh, the, the waters become a, a little turbulent uh, in the, the seas don't they uh, and uh, become a, a threat to Jonah and the sailors to uh, get the attention of Jonah and the sailors so that they'll, they'll track them down uh, and ask them uh, what's going on. Uh, why, why, why is your God so, so angry uh, so that ultimately uh, they'll throw them in the sea and God will send them back to the, the Assyrians uh, and the Ninevites to, uh, uh, to preach uh, repentance to them. But God can also use the the seas and waters as a source of a blessing uh, to 
uh, deliver uh, his people, uh, to sustain them, to uh, heal them, uh, and the, the nations along with them. I'll give you just a, a few examples of this. Uh, so, for example, with the, the Exodus, he, he brings them uh, through the waters uh, to, to safety and delivers them. In Isaiah 41, uh, uh, Isaiah looks forward to the, the Babylonian captivity and exile and provides comfort that God will deliver the people. Uh, and in chapter 41, uh, it's said that uh, Yahweh, um, he uh, provides pools of water and uh, causes rivers and streams to, to burst forth for those who are uh, poor and needy uh, among his people and for the, for the thirsty to provide for them. Uh, in, in Isaiah 43, he talks about how they, when they return from the exile, they will pass through, through rivers uh, safely uh, and through, through the fire and it, it will not burn them. And uh, Crossing rivers and such could be very treacherous and it's looking back to the, the exodus. They're, they're almost on a new exodus uh, going back to, uh, to their homeland from exile. Uh, and then in Isaiah uh, chapter 60, uh, it really looks to the end when uh, they're brought back to the land and uh, the nations, even as far as uh, Tarshish, probably modern day uh, Spain, so way west along the Mediterranean, uh, will uh, on, on sh uh, ships and such, and even kings uh, will bring back the, the Israelites from afar and bring their children back to the land of Israel. Uh, where God's kingdom will be. And they'll even come from afar and uh, bring the wealth of the nations to them over uh, the, the seas. And so uh, th these are examples of where God uses the, the seas to, uh, to bless his people. And so it's not always uh, chaotic. Uh, and then in Ezekiel uh, 47, uh, starting in verse 6, I'll just read this to you. He talks about a river that will uh, flow from the, the newly a created a temple uh, in the millennial kingdom uh, and how water will flow east from the temple uh, to the, uh, the, the river of Judea and to the, uh, what we know as the, the Dead Sea. Uh, and that's important, thinking of it dead. Uh, nothing lives in there uh, in the, the Salt Sea uh, during their, their time. And Ezekiel says this, uh, Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river a very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. Uh, the, the Arabah is the, the wilderness, uh, desert, wasteland. Uh, when the water flows into the sea, so this is the salt sea, the dead sea, the water will become fresh, and wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea, from Engedi to Englein. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the Great Sea, uh, that's the, the Mediterranean, 
but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. Uh, they are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit, fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month uh, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And so fresh fruit every month. Uh, that's, um, that's not usual for fruit trees. Normally they, they bear fruit uh, in their season. Uh, and so here you, you see this uh, amazing example of how God's going to uh, use the seas to uh, bless his people and to actually bring, uh, bring life. And so it's just a reminder to, to pay close attention to the, the author and the author's intent. And if someone says that it always means one thing, be careful. Don't, don't let, your, uh, let your guard down, but uh, read each passage uh, very, very closely. And uh, Matthew says, uh, just to to close on some of these things for the the sea and the land, and then we'll we'll look at the vegetation. River systems were essential for the stability of the regions of the ancient Near East. Seasonal rains would reach flood stage, and then their departure would leave the land with drought and sometime famine. Although the Nile and the Tigris-Euphrates river systems, and so uh, the, the Nile was in Egypt, and the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, kind of like modern-day uh, Iraq, it's north of Israel. Although the Nile and the Tigris-Euphrates river systems provided a more stable environment uh, than Canaan, uh, Israel, uh, which was dependent solely on rainfall for its agricultural needs, their seasonal inundations also could be devastating if too great. God's gathering and deployment of the waters show that they too are under his dominion. Uh, the seas are not independent forces to be feared and worshipped, but creations that respond to the direct commands of God. He exerted authority as he named the dry ground land and the waters seas, assigning them their place and function. Uh, and so uh, we see ultimately a God is the, the creator and ruler uh, of the seas and of the land, uh, and that they are uh, made according to his uh, good, uh, wise, uh, and, and sovereign uh, work uh, of creation. And here again, we see that all things are created ultimately uh, by the very command of uh, God uh, and that they, they obey. Uh, and so this will bring us to the uh, the vegetation, uh, the, the second part of the day with the, the second command. So in verse 11, it reads, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. Uh, and so now we see, after forming these habitations and dominions uh, for the, the inhabitants and creatures to come, uh, that God now fills the land uh, with, with rich uh, vegetation uh, for food to, to make it a, a thriving, a flourishing land, uh, all pre- prepared for, for his creatures. Uh, Matthew says, uh, concerning the the vegetation, uh, unlike the first two days of creation, the third day includes a second act of creation. Uh, After the appearance of the land masses, uh, God creates vegetation upon the land. Uh, This is the climax of the first grouping of days where, for the first time, the earth becomes productive. Uh, The presence of vegetation prepares uh, the way for the life systems to follow by providing uh, the diet for animal and uh, human life. Uh, And uh, this word for uh, vegetation, uh, it's just a a cover word uh, for uh, all of the different types of uh, plant life uh, as distinct from uh, from animal life. Uh, And we, we see that here uh, it includes at least uh, two major subgroups, uh, the, uh, the plants uh, and the, the trees, uh, probably representing uh, all plant life, uh, with the exception that uh, things like uh, thorns and thistles and uh, briars are part of the, the curse, uh, which we'll find will only arise uh, in Genesis chapter 3 uh, after uh, the, the man rebels. And uh, Matthew says, uh, for the first time, God's creative decree is indirect. Uh, The land is commanded to produce vegetation. Uh, There is no hint of the pagan notion of Mother Earth. Uh, The land by itself, of course, does not produce vegetation. Rather, God enables the land to do so by his creative word. Whereas the ancients believed that vegetation and all reproducing processes were dependent upon the procreation of the gods. Uh, the Genesis account attributes vegetation to the inanimate soil. The sensual practices involved in fertility worship reflect the pagan misconception of life's origins and renewal. A procreation is the gift of God deemed a divine blessing uh, that he graciously enables his creatures to enjoy. Uh, and then the, the only thing about the, the, the indirect uh, de- decree and uh, action, uh, it's important to remember, we, we talked uh, before, I think on day two, uh, that even when God says, uh, let, let the earth do this or let this creative object do this, uh, oftentimes afterwards, it will even say that God uh, created. Uh, that in his action, that God will actually do it. And so uh, even where it says something the creation does, uh, some of these things uh, can't read too much into it because Moses likes to, to change some of, the, some of these things up. Uh, and so, for example, uh, on day 5, verse 20, it says, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, 
and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and uh, every living creature that moves. And so I shouldn't read uh, too much into that. But uh, again, we see, as Matthew says, that this is so different than uh, what the the pagans uh, believed at the the time and uh, looking to Mother Earth as if uh, Mother Earth provides or cares for us or uh, has any concern for us whatsoever. Uh, really, we live in a fallen, cursed creation, uh, and so uh, things are not uh, as uh, they should be. Uh, and ultimately, we, we look to God uh, as our uh, protector and uh, redeemer uh, and look to God to, to ultimately uh, restore and uh, bring bring life uh, to the created world and to, to redeem it and remove the, uh, the curse. Uh, and then we also see uh, these uh, kinds, and we'll, we'll probably talk about them more uh, maybe on day five. We'll, we'll see it showing up on days five, five and six. Uh, but uh, we see the, the major subgroups of, of vegetation, uh, plants and trees that uh, can also be further divided into their uh, kinds. Uh, and so uh, not all vegetation uh, is alike. Uh, not all plants and trees are uh, alike. Uh, for example, uh, tulips uh, do not produce oaks. Uh, oaks do not produce ferns. Uh, and grasses do not produce uh, evergreen uh, trees. Uh, and then uh, not all animals uh, are alike. Uh, not all fish are, uh, not all fish and birds and beasts are alike. And uh, vegetation and uh, animals and humans, uh, although they are all uh, creations of God and they're uh, they are creatures, uh, they are uh, distinguished from one another uh, in their being, uh, their nature, uh, their function and purpose, uh, and in their uh, dig- dignity and place in uh, God's uh, economy and government of uh, creation. And humans are uh, created in the, the the image of God. And about the, the kinds, uh, again, uh, Matthew says, uh, the, the vegetation, like the waters, is given prescribed boundaries. Uh, they reproduce according to their various kinds. Kind uh, is used for broad categories of animals, birds, and fish. Uh, any attempt to correlate kind with a modern term such as species is unwarranted, though uh, the awareness of distinctive kinds is closer to a scientific description than is found in pagan cosmogonies. Cosmogonies explanation of how the, the universe came to be. Uh, just as uh, separations are integral to creation, so are distinctions among uh, living beings as indicated by their kinds. A creation and procreation according to kind indicates that God has established parameters for creation. Uh, but the term is never used of humanity, uh, showing that we are a unique order of creation. Furthermore, ethnic distinctions are incidental to the commonality of uh, the human uh, family. And so incidental, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't characterize our, our nature, these uh, ethnic 
uh, differences that that we see. And this term is uh, never used for uh, for humans because uh, ultimately uh, all humans in their lineage go back to uh, to Adam and Eve uh, and uh, to uh, Noah, uh, his three sons and uh, their their wives. Uh, Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and uh, Japheth. Uh, and uh, Victor P. Hamilton says, uh, is probably too restrictive to insist that the Hebrew word uh, um, mean uh, kinds uh, be limited to species. Uh, this word uh, is broad enough to allow uh, species as well as genus, family, and order. And so some of the, the broader terms, and we'll look at that more uh, in uh, probably in day, day five, maybe day six, and uh, also definitely with uh, Noah and uh, the animals that he brings on the ark. And so then uh, the, with the final result of, of day three, uh, the, the dark, uh, barren, uh, empty, watery uh, creation uh, now has light uh, with uh, day one uh, and uh, also uh, day, day and night, evening and morning. Uh, it has a, a sky or the, the heavens above that we, we see uh, from day two. Uh, and uh, the, the seas, uh, dry land, and vegetation from uh, day three. Uh, and so uh, it is no longer uh, a dark, a barren, empty, watery uh, creation, uh, but uh, it's ready to be uh, filled and to be uh, inhabited with with all forms of life and inhabitants, uh, the luminaries and fish and birds and beasts and man. And so uh, that's what we'll be looking at with uh, the remaining days of uh, creation. And then I'd, I'd just like to touch uh, finally on some of these themes about, uh, about Yahweh's sovereignty over the, the seas. And you can also flip uh, to, uh, I believe, the, the end of Mark chapter 4. Now we'll, we'll see that uh, that uh, it's it's Yahweh who is the one who treads uh, on the the seas, uh, and uh, He is the one who uh, stills uh, the the seas. Now I'll just read some uh, passages uh, to you uh, first, uh, and we we could expand some of these uh, into uh, longer passages, but I'll just read the. Uh, shorter ones uh, for sake of time. So first, uh, Yahweh treads on the seas. In Job 9.8, uh, it says, uh, Who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the seas. In Job 38.16, uh, uh, Yahweh, God asks Job, Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep. 
Psalm 77, verse 19. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Habakkuk 3, verse 15. Uh, You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. So God tramples uh, the seas. But then we also see that Yahweh uh, stills uh, the seas. So Job 38, verse 11. Thus uh, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Psalm 65, verse 7. Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples. Psalm 89, verse 9. You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Psalm 93, verse 4. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the seas, the Lord on high is mighty. Psalm 104, verse 9. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. Psalm 106, verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. And finally, uh, Psalm uh, 107, verse 29. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. And then if we look in uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 35, uh, Mark states, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, so Jesus speaking to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them them, uh, in the boat, uh, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a a great windstorm arose, uh, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him uh, and as my uh, one, one of my teachers uh, our Del Canada said uh, Mark uh, is also asking uh, all of his readers uh, to answer this question who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him uh, elsewhere in Mark uh, we see that Uh, Jesus uh, has the authority uh, to forgive sins. And uh, the Pharisees ask, uh, who can forgive sins uh, but God alone? Uh, But Jesus shows that the 
Son of Man has authority uh, to forgive sins. Uh, And then uh, later in Mark uh, chapter 2, Jesus declares himself uh, the Lord of the Sabbath. Who's the Lord of the Sabbath and has has authority over uh, the, the Sabbath? Uh, and then in Mark uh, 14, uh, when the, the high priest uh, asks him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Uh, he says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Uh, citing Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. So they understood uh, his claim uh, as one to to deity. And then in Mark uh, chapter 1, the very beginning of his gospel, uh, he introduces it this way. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. And the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And here he quotes from Malachi and from Isaiah. And both of these passages, uh, in their original context, uh, refer to Yahweh, uh, but Mark uh, tweaks them and has them refer to uh, to uh, Jesus. Uh, and then, uh, finally, I, I want to read uh, from uh, an essay I wrote on uh, on, on Mark uh, and uh, on his uh, his disciples and uh, how they're characterized in uh, in uh, in this gospel to uh, show the the identity of the the person and work of Christ I wrote uh, this fear is reminiscent so referring to the fear of the the disciples after uh, Jesus asks them uh, why why are you afraid uh, after he had stilled the storm Uh, This fear is reminiscent of the sailors in the book of Jonah who become afraid when a storm breaks out and who become even more afraid uh, when they learn that Jonah's God is Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. The final straw for the sailors, however, comes after they throw Jonah into the raging sea and it stands still. Uh, Jonah 2, verse 16, may be quite literally translated, The sailors feared Yahweh, a great fear. Likewise, Mark 4, verse 40, may be translated, They feared a great fear. And so, I don't know if uh, Mark is drawing uh, from this passage. He uh, very uh, well uh, could be, but it just shows that he is drawing uh, most certainly uh, from uh, the rich themes uh, throughout the scripture 
Uh, and even at the, the time when these events actually took place, uh, there is a reason why his disciples became very afraid uh, because uh, they uh, maybe uh, realized a little bit uh, that they were standing before uh, no uh, ordinary man, uh, but they were standing before uh, the, the creator, uh, the one who is uh, completely and utterly holy, uh, that no uh, sinner uh, can stand before uh, in their, their own uh, righteousness. Uh, and so uh, we see that uh, Jesus is the, the, the creator and sovereign uh, over uh, the seas. Uh, he is uh, the eternal son of God. Uh, and he's the one that the, the father uh, sent in uh, Mark to uh, suffer, uh, be rejected, uh, to uh, die uh, on a, a cross, uh, to uh, bear the, the sins of all uh, who would trust in him, and uh, to be buried uh, and uh, raised uh, again, uh, vindicating uh, all of his claims and showing that he truly is uh, God's son. He truly is uh, the, the Messiah uh, that was told uh, so long ago by the prophets uh, and was uh, seen by uh, many, many eyewitnesses. And uh, we even see in the 27 books, documents of the, the New Testament, that there we have the eyewitness testimony of those who saw him raised again and who talked to the eyewitnesses. And all of this has been uh, preserved for us. Uh, and so uh, he died so that uh, those uh, who will trust in uh, nothing else, uh, not their uh, self-righteousness, uh, not their own wisdom, uh, that, that recognize that they cannot stand uh, before a holy God uh, without their sins forgiven, uh, that if they trust in Christ and uh, Christ alone, uh, he will uh, save them uh, to the uttermost, uh, and he will save them uh, from, from the day of judgment, uh, and that uh, they will be able to stand before God uh, clothed in uh, his righteousness, uh, and that uh, they uh, ultimately uh, will uh, become heirs of the, the kingdom with Christ, and that they will uh, reign with him and uh, in the, the millennial kingdom, and uh, God brings a rejuvenation and healing uh, to, to the world, uh, and uh, even uh, makes the, the dead seas, which are uh, right now uh, utterly dead, nothing lives in them. Uh, how neat will it see them uh, filled with uh, fish and surrounded by uh, fishermen. Uh, and so uh, these, these are the, the promises that we see and the, uh, the uh, themes that they're traced all the way from uh, Genesis to uh, Revelation. And so uh, let's just uh, pray and we can close. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord God, we thank you for these words and for teaching us and for revealing yourself uh, through through your word. And uh, it's just uh, amazing the, the contrast of uh, your word and uh, 
uh, how you created compared to the uh, the pagan myths and uh, things that people made up uh, out of whole cloth and that just reading your word how uh, how simple it is that uh, you are the the uncreated creator and uh, that you brought uh, all things uh, into existence and uh, they pose no no threat to you or uh, anyone else uh, if we trust in you uh, but they're your creation and uh, you're the wise and good and 